everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Uh, we're doing Ghost in the Shell, the second season known as Second Gig, uh, episode 789. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Some bad was, uh, things happen in these ones. Yeah. Yeah, we, we really start getting introduced to uh, the motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's pretty great. Just the... Just, just the worst guy. We got a yeah, little sprinkling it's... in the in the last set of episodes, but on this one, no, no, you asked for some pepper on that. Yeah, like we were kind of like, I don't know, this guy, you know, could turn out to be <laughs> a good guy, and they're just, you know, playing it up. And like after this episode, it's like, oh no, this man no. deserves to die. <laughs> no. They upgraded him to definitely a bad guy. I don't know. He's just doing his job. He's just a guy doing his job with a weird it's a government face. worker. His job as an intelligence guy doing shady shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why you think he's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's got a gun. Well, anyway, (laughs) episode seven. Yeah, so episode seven opens up with like a pier at the nighttime. Um, There's a really nice yacht and there's some guy inside, uh, three men inside buying uh, some weapons from an arms dealer. As you do. Let me say that backwards. There is one guy in black buying weapons from three arms dealers. I got confused for a second. He did the multi-deal. Yeah. Uh, The dealers ask him what the the weapons are for. The guy's like, well, I got to give the refugees some incentive. And the dealer really doesn't care where the things go. He just wants the money. So the guy opens up a briefcase and inside there's his invoice. And it has the individual 11 logo on it. What the? And while this is happening, uh, a bunch of like special ops forces and like I guess wetsuits and stuff are like climbing onto the yacht with machine guns. And the guy, like they all hear them like climbing onto the boat. And the guy in the black's like, "Well, they're right on time. That's great." Um, so a shootout happens. Uh, all the arms dealers get shot up, uh, and the guy in the black basically bazookas the back of the boat off the <laughs> escape in a jet ski. It's real awesome. <laughs> it's so great. He walks into like the jet ski room of the boat, blows the doors off, and whoops out past blowing up like three soldiers in the process yeah it's it's also funny like you think the cops would have had boats out there just ready but whatever uh, we, got the title card. we go to section 9 hq uh, the major is asking if they id the guy who tried to assassinate uh kayabuki from last episode uh bato says he's going the, in uh, prime minister yeah the yeah, prime minister sorry um bato starts asking it Bato was saying he was uh, looking at the military angle since they think the guy has like a military grade body, but he doesn't have anything yet. And it's Ishikawa powerful says, super suit. Powerful super mode. Yeah, Ishikawa says the uh, security is real tight, so he can't get any information right now. Uh, they come in up to say that like the uh, self defense force used to have a peacekeeping force with that model of body, in the, but the, all the records had vanished, and that's real weird. Uh, and Togusa mm. doesn't have anything either regarding the nuclear plant thing from last episode. So basically, no one knows what's going on is the point of the scene. Uh, the a major lot of questions. Re- yeah, the major recaps all the things Section 9 is looking into. They're looking into the uh, Cabinet Information Ministry with uh, the connections to the JDF, the helicopters that went crazy, the individual event, the nuclear power plant, and on that, the chief is right now talking to the prime minister about the nuclear plant. Um, Bato's really angry. He's uh, mad that he can't go on the offensive like in I don't know, arrest bad guys, but... We hear the words offensive organization like a lot in this season. Yeah, they think they're getting hamstringed by like too many cases, like in their caseload. Yeah. And like, well, they're also being put on babysitting duty yeah, a lot, too. which too. they will get put on babysitting duty multiple times in these three episodes. Yep. So like to some extent, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the major agrees. Um, and they, she says that like section nine's weakness is numbers. We just don't have manpower to do this many things at once. 
Um, well, it's less that and more like if we get into a situation and we are attacked by an entire organization, if a platoon drops in on us, we're dead. <laughs> like, we're quite good. It has but there been are scientifically only proven. Six or seven of us. Yeah, like, there's a point where we just cannot keep up with enough material. Yeah. You know? Um. So, yeah, uh, we cut over at the parliament. The chief is talking to the prime minister. She says they, the plutonium rods were discovered while reburying the Shinjuku plant. You know, that's from last episode. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there, apparently, there were secret plans to transport the rods away by sea um, to, you know, get disposed of or something. But that information was leaked to terrorists. Um, and during this conversation, she gives him a letter from the individual 11 saying that the foolish government was making the refugees wait for liberation, but it's going to give out divine retribution and give the rods back to the refugees who dug them out. More Return the rods. Yeah, because, you know, a bunch of refugees are going to have fun with plutonium rods, you know? Yeah. The right um, property. Meltman, the Ministry of Home Affairs guy, is there. He says the Coast Guard got a tip about an arms deal the other day and they busted it and got most of the weapons back, but uh, they're thinking that some other weapons have already traded hands. And this is where they dropped it. Like the original plan was to go by sea, but because of this arms deal, they think that a uh, their plan is going to be a backfire if they try to do that. All so it she- takes is one yacht based gun deal to scare the government into going by <laughs> yeah. land. Yeah, so she wants. They literally. Oh, like ahead. it's not they apparently also found a bill of sale and found like additional boats so they like just left a receipt on the ground that was like <laughs> three guns. boats please for terrorism yeah <laughs> can i get a gunboat and uh another gunboat and the cops were like yes a clue it has it has the word clue stamped on it that must mean it's legit right you gotta put boats for terrorism so accounts payable knows what where that goes at the end of the year right right <laughs> so um yeah, the Prime Minister wants Section 9 to do the, uh, I don't know, evacuation of the rods via ground now. And this is going to take them through the refugee area. So this is why it has to be all hush-hush. Um, Takantakura, the uh, assistant she has, says that Section 9 um, doesn't really exist. So, you know, it's going to be the best choice for, you know, transporting rods that don't technically exist. You know, Solid it's thought. Hush under the table. Uh, the chief asks the Prime Minister for her thoughts. Um, if she, like kind of like candidly like is this what you actually want to do and she's like yeah this is the right thing so the chief leaves and he one more things as he goes out the door he asks her <laughs> how much she uh she knew about the power plant and she says the first that she learned about the rods had been found uh, sorry she first learned that the rods had been found um the other day during the incident had no idea whatsoever yeah so she's kind of being kept in the dark i guess is the takeaway from that uh, we got to a tilt rotor on a roof someplace. Uh, the chief is telling the major Bato and Togusa about the plan. Uh, Togusa is kind of defiant. He knows that the plant was under government control, so he thinks it's kind of weird that the prime minister didn't know shit. Um, Bato asks when they changed their job to be the prime minister of Aranboy, but the major says that nothing's changed, that someone else has the upper hand, so they have to kind of play by the rules for now. We're going to get a lot of that. Yeah, they're all really upset that they can't just go you know, violate civil rights whenever they want now. Yeah, which, basically. Yeah. <laughs> So in walks uh, Goda. Um, he's happy that Section 9 is going to accomp- accompany him on his first airdrop. And they're and, like, uh, wait a sec. <laughs> yeah, Bato like, flips oh, out here. Oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> I love the, uh, as an aside, the voice direction he has on this line because he seems like actually giddy that he's going to do this. Yes. <laughs> it's really great. It, I, I think a big part of what I'm liking about the second season so far is that this 
the villain is the opposite, right? Like the yeah. Laughing Man was as hidden as possible through as many layers of obfuscation to the point that there were logos being projected over face to cover face, you know, like yeah. all that. Whereas this guy is like, I wanted to be more recognizable, and then walks into a room laughing and is like, I'm so fucking evil, bud. <laughs> and like no one can do anything about it. It rocks. Walks in wearing shutter shades, being like, time for baby's first airdrop. <laughs> <laughs> hey you guys, I know you all hate me, but you know what? I'm having a ball. Part of the team. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh yeah, so Bato flips out and asks him about the accompanying thing. Uh Gota kind of just ignores Bato and says it like, listen, I know that going to get these rods is stupid. I don't want to get the rods either. It's a waste of both of our time, but we gotta do it. We're government people. So <laughs> T goes and climbs onto the tilt rotor, and while he does this, by the way, he's thanking Saito for uh, mur- murdering that guy the other day in the helicopter. <laughs> It was like straight up. It's like, yeah, thanks for shooting him. Yeah, that was a good shot you just did yeah. there. Uh, Togusa has never seen Gota before, so he asks him, the major fills him in. Um, we cut to the power plant. Uh, there's a bunch of like SDF guys there, and the radio operator is telling the commander-looking dude that uh, the relief is on the way. And he's like, I hope that they will make – or he says, like, I hope everything's going to stay quiet until then. So he's like really nervous about everything. Um. We cut over to, like, outside the guard, I guess, like, the militarized zone that's guarding that power plant. There's a military policeman. He, like, kind of walks over to the fence and just hands something through it to a kid who runs off. And then he makes a joke to another MP about, like, oh, they look like monkeys in there in a cage. And the other MP's like, can it, dude? You're going to make them crazy. Stop it. You get this, like, oh, a soldier doing a nice thing for a kid. And it's like, no, he is not. No, he is giving information. <laughs> Immediately just slaps him on the face like, nope. Yeah, so in the tilt rudder, they're flying over to the refugee district. Gota is saying that the JDSF doesn't know what they're guarding, and it's being kept on like a need-to-know basis so they can do info control easier. Um, yeah, he, he constantly talks about, yep, we're manipulating the media here, but in a good way. I mean, kind of. Like, I can see his point of view here, like less chance of leaks if people don't know what they're actually guarding in there. Yes. Um, Togusa asked why the um, the cabinet information service doesn't do it themselves, like this whole escort thing. But the major cuts him off um, because uh, she doesn't like want any strife going on right now. She's just trying to get everybody to keep a lid on it. Just do the mission, guys. Yeah. <clears throat> Go to like ponders if they've met before. I think he's just trying to provoke everyone. Oh yeah, so, he is. He spends the whole episode. He is stirring this shit guy. so bad. <laughs> This guy loves provoking. Yeah. It's like his favorite. He does thing. it like oh my Lord. aggressively all the time. It's yes. very funny. Oh my God. There's an exchange with Bato later that is so beautiful just because it's literally Bato like being like, I hate you, man. And him being like, I know. Yeah. Isn't it great? <laughs> so the I major drink starts- your tears, Bato. <laughs> it's funny. He pushes Bato's buttons like perfectly too because yes. he gets yes. pissed. <laughs> Yeah, so the Major starts giving out orders about what they're going to do when they actually airdrop. Um, Gota says, like, hey, by the way, you can't take the Tachikomas. We don't want to provoke the refugees. I don't know how yeah. that's going to provoke refugees any more than transporting nuclear stuff through their They're zone, never going to know. I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely, like, Gota not wanting the tanks there for his own reasons. But, yeah, you could just have them in yeah. camo. You'd never know <laughs> they were there. But, yeah, Gota is, as always, on his own agenda. So they fly over the old mayor's building that we saw before. Um, the major, they're all getting ready to drop. And the major goes over the goat and is like, listen, you have authority in this mission, but in the field, you got to follow my orders because I can't guarantee your safety if you don't follow commands. And so she tells him that he's with Bato. 
this is where I noticed, by the way, he's jumping into this demilitarized zone or whatever, the refugee district, with, like, his black suit on. Like, yes. he doesn't have, like, military camo or anything, which is funny. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they all jump out of the helicopter. But they jump out of the side, not the back. The back has, like, a fucking ramp. Jump <laughs> anyway. But I, um, I love that uh, Goda is strapped to Bato, by the way, and, like, jumps off with him. And Goda's like, oh, fuck, ah! <laughs> like, the entire <laughs> way down. The, the, like, Major's like, all right, Goda is going to be doing a tandem jump with you, Bato. And Bato's like, ah, goddammit. And then Goda's like, you know, I've never done this before. And Bato's like, that's the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> just fucking destroys him. It's very funny. I wonder how much of him yelling was him actually being terrified of the jump versus him just trying to piss off Bato. Like, but I feel both. it's 50-50, yeah. Column A, column B. <laughs> so we cut to back to the refugee district. Um, uh, they have successfully airdropped in, and they've made contact with the uh, self-defense force guys. He's been super nervous ever since he learned that he's guarding plutonium. He doesn't want to deal with that at all. Weird. Yeah. The major says that um, they're there to transport the rods. And the military guy says uh, his men may have been exposed to the radiation. He's concerned about their well-being. He's pissed that they were kept in the dark about it. Yeah. Gota gives a speech uh, to everyone saying, like, well, everybody has their own role. If you don't want to, you know, be exposed to risks. Don't join the military. You know, quit if you don't like it. And then Classic like, government man speech. Yeah, then he goes and has, like, a private data link conversation with the commander. And, like, both the Major and Bato are objecting to this. Like, they don't want to be kept in the dark, dark about anything. But they really have no say in the matter. He's like, need to know. Yeah. So after their secret conversation, the military commander is, like, much calmer. And he says, like, oh, I'm going to send some men with you. Um, so they get in a bunch, they get into, like, a bus and an SUV. And they leave. And there's a montage of them, like, looking out the window driving through this like broken city in the dark and like the refugees watching it's worth it's noting like, um bato and goda are in the van with the rods and major and togasa are in the truck so they they have put them together just to make him angrier <laughs> yeah and like saito and boma and everyone they're there too they're just yes the they're background. also in the yeah. in the van with the rods yeah, so there's kind of a montage of these two cars driving through, like, a darkened city. There's, like, some very tense music, and everybody's on edge, like, looking out the window for ambushes. Um, the Major says that the individual 11 might attack, but they've never been known to work directly with the refugees. And she's like, everybody just stay calm and do what you're, you know, trained to do. And, like, she also muses over the fact that, like, she was more worried about the fact that there was a leak, that there was going to be the transportation by sea. Not so much that the individual 11 are going to attack, because she's wondering, like, someone on the inside is leaking information, and that's bad. That's the dangerous part. Yeah. I wonder who could have done that. Hmm. Who knows? So, yeah, this is the scene Ty was talking about. I love Bob. manipulating information. <laughs> have I told you that lately? <laughs> it's... Oh, <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, so we get the scene that uh, Ty was talking about where Goda is just basically trying to make small talk to Bato, and Bato just wants nothing to do with this man. Bato just straight up tells him, I don't want to make small talk with you, man. I don't like you, and that's not my job. And Goda just responds by going, oh, that's too bad. I'm great at small talk. It's one of my best talents. I love small talk. I'm just going to keep going if that's okay with you. He's just like, he's such a shit stirrer, And he just, he's having a blast. Just 
absolutely especially with extortion. what's about to happen yeah yeah so oh my god as, as they're driving around they uh, see a refugee girl like running next to the truck and the army guy that's with them says like oh that's kind of cute and the goat is like did you know in another district a girl about that age shot at a policeman and the guy gets like super nervous about it. Like, he looks back are you out doing? the window like oh <laughs> yeah so the guy gets nervous Bato's like what the fuck are you doing man you're stirring up shit here He's like, he's like, you, your section nine is very well trained. Unlike the self defense force, he's like that major woman. She's super scary. <laughs> and then he asked Bato, like, why did you join section nine? Are you in love with someone? Oh, of course you're not. And Bato just like is seconds away from punching this dude. Oh yeah, hands on the wheel, hands on the wheel. He calls the major. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking kill this guy. <laughs> I want to kill him. Please, please talk me down from killing this man. So the major is currently talking to Ishikawa, who's up on the uh, plane up above, asking about the route. There's a lot of abandoned buildings around, and all of them are great ambush locations, and they're trying to figure out the best route to get out of here. They're, like, literally going down a single straight road with nothing but, like, ruins around them, so they couldn't escape to anywhere. There's a million places for dudes to hide. Like, it is... It's bad news. The worst case. They did not yeah, pick this is... route, and they couldn't be angrier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the Major is wondering, also wondering what's up with Gota, and she wants Ishikawa to run background checks at him because he's obviously, like, trying to fuck up their plans. Um, in the car, Toga says, saying that it's been, you know, 30 years since the war. This region was kept like this because everybody was punting on the refugee issue. They didn't know what to do with them. Like, they let them in during the war, but after the war ended, it's like, well, what do we do with these people? And they kick the can down the road. Um, he's also mentioned, like, it's going to reach the breaking point soon. Like, they can't keep living like this. So as they're driving the car, they run across a blockage in the road. It's a flipped truck and there's refugees on either side, you know, just kind of sitting around. So the Section 9 stops their convoy and they get out and Goda's there. He's like, we should take a detour. We don't want a firefight. And like the Major agrees, but she also kind of wants to see what's up here because like they can't just turn around and run away. That's weird. So Goda says he wants to talk to the refugees. So of course he gets out of the car and brings one of the JDSF guys. It's so fucking funny too, because he's like, you guys are, you know, hotshot mercenaries in section nine. We need to bring one of those good old JSDF boys with us. As he if he had says, just said he's it. like, you're, you're a little too trigger happy. Yeah. You and your gang are a little trigger happy. I'll bring one of these noble army boys with me. <laughs> yeah. Said noble army boys, by the way, shaking in his boots over here. Looking at like all literally vibrating <laughs> before they've gotten out of the van. Yeah. Openly terrified. Yeah. So they walk up and start talking with the refugees. Um, they talk about the truck is flipped over and the major's like, I would listen, I would love to stay and help you guys, but we got to go. Can you move out of the way? We can drive by you. Um, during all this, the major is telling Bato over the radio is like, yeah, anything goes south, just gun it and leave us behind. Um, there's a very tense situation. Um, like more of these refugees are kind of just like popping out from behind the uh, debris because I guess they were just sitting around. Um, the JDSF guy is getting super twitchy. Uh, Goda says to the JDSF guy is like, hey, that dude over there is carrying a gun. And, like, you see a close-up, he's not a gun, it's a pistol. Literally just, like... Or not, it's, it's not a, a gun, it's a pipe. pipe. Yeah, it's like Sorry. a bent piece of pipe. Literally yeah, it's just like an leans over piece. him and goes, hey, that guy over there's got a gun, doesn't he? Yeah, so the and JDSF dude just the opens man. fire. He yeah. loses it. This <laughs> causes... And this is the moment that uh, Goda is upgraded to <laughs> definitely a bad guy. <laughs> Yeah. He was just concerned for his safety. I don't nope. know why. No, <laughs> no, nope, nope. He's gone from definitely not a bad guy to definitely a bad guy. 
Yeah, so the army guy opens fire, <laughs> Section 9 just follows suit, and they start just massacring these refugees. They all hop in the cars, and they gun it out of there. As they leave, they're, like, prepared to have more attacks, but they leave the area, and there's, like, no tail. And so Sato's like, did we just kill, like, a dozen people for no reason? Yes. Um, the JDSF guy is in the back of the truck. He is, like, visibly shaking. He did not want to do any of that. He's having some terrible PTSD. And Goda's just kind of grinning at him. Um, he is happier as a pig in shit. Yeah, we see a bunch of shots of the dead refugees and then that guy having a pipe in his hand and not a gun. Um, afterwards, we cut. It's morning now. Um, they're in like a hangar someplace and this, they're getting the brief. The chief says that um, they did a good job and the intel they got about the ambush by the individual 11 must have been a bluff. Um, Godwill says that he appreciates Section 9's work and um, his, some of his lackey guys start taking the cases. And uh, they start opening the cases to which those <laughs> section the section like, um, rods. Yeah, they start freaking out. They don't want to get irradiated. But they open up the cases. There's nothing inside. Uh, he just tells them, he's like, yeah, we use you as decoys. Another unit shipped out the rods after you by sea. And Bato's like, who the hell do you think we are? And Goda's like, well, who do you think you are? If you had been mobbed by a bunch of refugees in mass, you would have died. And then he just kind of leaves. Because he's a shithead. <laughs> Basically what the major told him yeah. as well. It was like, hey, if we get mobbed by an entire army, we're dead. <laughs> and he just goes, hey, man, what if they mobbed you with an entire army? You'd be dead. And Bato's just forced to be like, <laughs> I hate that I know he's right. <laughs> and the entire Section 9 gang just stands there as triumphant music plays and Gota walks out with his buddies <laughs> laughing, basically. Yeah. Uh, Section Nine's not feeling so hot now. <laughs> Not so much. They keep losing. <laughs> and that's episode seven. Episode eight, the allegory of the food cave. <laughs> <laughs> so we open in the section nine computer room with beer, pizza, and cigarettes. Hell yeah, it's a party. Yep. Uh, Ishikawa and Boma have basically been working all night because uh, of all the stuff that they're trying to do. And they have not made any progress uh, hacking into the CIS, but... They've definitely found some shady shit, even if they, even if their systems are super beefy. Um, one thing they found is that Gota used to be pretty normal and unsuspicious and also normal looking. They got like a shot of him up on the computer and the major's like, literally like, who is that? And it's like, that's Gota. Before just, his face got fucked. Think of the most blandest possible man you can think of. And that was Gota before his whatever happened think of to him. the guy who... Who's like the only feature that's notable about him is he's like a little bit long. Yeah. And like that's it. Like this level of bone. Very honest. Like yeah, he's not even that he's not even like super tall. It's just like, oh, he's longer than a regular guy by a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. Difference is this when they talk about his uh schooling, or is that later? Uh yeah, they they mention it. Um but basically they talk about his mysterious accident and how he decided to keep his face like this on purpose, which is a little bit weird. Um, but nothing really, nothing that really comes up with it. I don't think they find his thesis until later. Okay. Um, they get called into a lunch meeting, which Ishikawa grumbles about since he just pulled an all-nighter. Uh, Aramaki is at this point, like, Bato is just like, what the fuck are we doing? And Aramaki's like, look, I know we're all tired of all this shit. We need to figure out what the hell we're going to do. Um... Bato suspects that the Prime Minister is the one holding their leash, but the Chief denies it. Um, basically like, no, if we have enemies in the government, it's not. It's probably not her. 
But yeah, I think like, he says something. he's just like, yeah, she seems like a nice enough person. Like she's not trying to screw us over. It's pretty clear that some of this stuff was over her head. Like the mention of yeah. she didn't know about the nuclear plants beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Chief orders the team to conduct their own investigation of both the individual eleven and Gota himself. Um, they go over to the individual 11 cases, talking about all the crimes that have been attributed to them, which include siphoning TV station funds, bombing a refugee aid group or two, assassinating a doctor, bank president, politician, and a cyber rapper. Hell yeah, cyber rapper. Um, the one thing that should be noted about all these crimes that they kind of go over here is that all of these, um, all of these people and incidents have connections to refugee help. Yes, like it is all TV, refugee aid related. Like the TV station was uh, critical of the refugee policy. The refugee aid groups obviously were helping them. The doctors were helping them. The bank president was banking two refugees to help them. So. And it's, yeah, kind of playing both sides of this as well. Um, also, the cyber rapper is shown strapped to a cross with a headset on. I think this is a reference to the manga. I think this guy's in the manga. That's amazing. Yeah, he was specifically a cyber brain rapper, mm-hmm. which... What a title. Damn. I wonder, I'm amazed like no one, like no, like SoundCloud rapper has tried to declare themselves the first Cyberbrain rapper. I, wa- I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Some dope um, beats. The last things that they mention are attacks on a media station's office, like shots fired into the windows and stuff, and the assassination attempt on the prime minister. Um, they didn't have any suspects other than Kirk at first or Kuze as we're going to eventually find out his name is. Um, But police did find another case where a suspect was caught on camera kind of running away. Uh, We learned his name is Sho Kawashima and he was spotted like kind of just milling around in the crowd in the shootings and kind of running away really suspicious through a parking lot. Um we learned that, that he works just one shooting. After, after like four separate yeah. incidents, yeah, to he was be at clear. Like, like there were four shootings. separate incidents, <laughs> and he was in the background. Like it, it would be like if there was a Where's Waldo and everyone else was different except for Waldo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but Waldo was a mass murderer. And also that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's what yeah, whatever. We we can discuss the Waldo canon later. <laughs> oh, is that why we have to find him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to our No Waldo podcast. Waldo has done some terrible things. That's why he's changed his name to Wally. Waldo. He did change his name to Wally. <laughs> so uh, he works at a tiny at a Taiwanese vegetarian restaurant and used to be a JSDA soldier. Um, they decide to take him into custody and also continue investigating the CIS. So we do the usual split up. We then cut to Togusa and Bato staking out the Taiwanese vegetarian restaurant in Marky's hot dog truck. <laughs> this is the most conspicuous hot dog truck. This thing does not blend into the scenery at all, like their stakeout van. It's, imagine if you needed a 20-foot, like, 12-foot tall van to cook hot dogs. What a world. But, like, there's no actual windows to serve the hot dogs. It's just a van that says hot dogs. Yeah, it's just Marky's hot dogs. <laughs> Uh, Paz and Saito and some Tachikoma are there as well. Togus is pretty happy that they're back to field work, sitting in the back of the truck, which is full of computer monitors and such. But he and Bato are kind of confused about what, what the deal with the individual <coughs> 11 is. They compare the case to the Laughing Man and say that the embassy hostage situation from the first episode of the season seems to be, like, the originating thing. But... 
at the same time, they also go like, yeah, but sometimes the originator isn't actually the original cause of all this. You know, you hmm. remember season one. Um, Togusa takes a bite of a sandwich and it turns out it's a cyborg food sandwich and it tastes disgusting. Uh, but Bato's like, yeah, it won't kill you. It's just gluten paste and some micro machines. You'll, it's, you'll shit those out. It's supposed to be a sandwich, but it kind of looks like a bar that was extruded from something. It's an incredibly fake sandwich, it, yes. It, it looks like the driest <laughs> crust off sandwich <laughs> in the world. Like, this is like a three-day-old sandwich. <laughs> also, apparently the micro machines were amino acid based, so I guess they would just break down into protein, probably. Yeah. Like, it would be an amino acid supplement, which, hey... Probably not something you'd want to eat as a whole sandwich. <laughs> One big amino acid sandwich, yum yum. It's basically like you just took a fistful of creatine though. powder. Yeah, mm, raw gluten. Mm, gluten and amino yeah. acids, delicious. Gotta love them. It looked disgusting. It does. Uh, Saito and Paz have found Show's house, but it's empty. So they don't really know where it is. Uh, Major's like, well, we all we can really do is kind of keep staking it out around here. I'll send some Tachikomas over. I've sent some Tachikomas over to help you look. The babies also reveal that they can break the fourth wall of everyone's cyber monitors. Like they've turned they, themselves into bonsai buddies. Yes, <laughs> they literally have. It's adorable. They jump up behind the major and then they swoop out and then they like they like come out and like turn and look at her. We're like, astral portrait. projecting. <laughs> Data smorgasbord. <laughs> It's so funny. I love them so much. They take their laptop to work all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They've realized more or less that they can physically be present in four places and they can digitally be present in four places and they can maintain their individuality while still having eight sets of experiences simultaneously, which like, is that good? Oh, shit. The Tachikomas are ascending. <laughs> they're virtualizing. Oh, no. Yeah, we see next episode oh, that they can kind of virtualize themselves into other people's cyber brains. In, into so, like, anything, yeah. Yeah, they can kind of split yeah. their ghost up and give it to other people to do things with them. Oh, oh no, boy. the Tachikomas are cascading. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> so from here, we cut back to the info lab where Bato and Ishikawa, or uh, Boma and Ishikawa, can't find anything about the assassination attempt. Like, none of the information is panning out anywhere. Ishikawa does find Gota's senior thesis, though. Mm. Um, it turns out that it's about how cyber brains eliminate individuality while spontaneously seeking to produce a leader, and it's very, very similar to all of the stuff in season one about the Laughing Man. Um, but this thesis was actually published several years before the Laughing Man case even happened. And from a kind of perspective on this, like it, the idea is that since cyber brains can be, you know, you can sync them with other people. Yeah. The individually of a person, this is kind of brought up in the movie as well, is kind of lost when you merge and sync those memories. Yep. And so like people will lose their memory or lose their individuality when they use cyber brains more and more. But they also need to have a leader in order to follow, like to have some sense of idea where to go in the world. Because if you lose all sense of individuality, like you don't have any willpower kind of like no reason to do anything. So, yep. and so it's basically speculating on all the things about the laughing man case several years before the laughing man happened. I, I do like the juxtaposition with the, the Tachikomas though, who were a collective and somehow 
in that collective have managed to like become distinct individuals yes, and, and, and possibly go even further than yes. that at this point that it's just poking at. Whereas yeah. like Gona's whole thesis is about how actually we're gonna like lose your individuality and become a collective instead. So it's interesting to see the opposite happen with the babies. It's I don't want to spoil anything, but this thesis is kind of important to the plot, so please remember it. Yes. <laughs> I never remember a thesis. <laughs> no one has ever read a thesis. No, God, no. Wait, is this like a, is this like a catcher in the rye situation? <laughs> <laughs> is it? No, no, man who has only watched season <laughs> yeah. one of Standalone Complex. Getting a lot of Laughing Man vibes from this. <laughs> Get, getting a lot of catcher in the, the rye vibes That's the next three episodes, though. Yes, yeah, so there, there are so <laughs> many mentions of the Laughing Man in like these two episodes. You gotta I was restart like, the count. I was like, oh, yeah, you gotta get that count going again. It just keeps happening. No. <laughs> to be fair, I think the central like idea and thesis of this second gig is different than the Laughing Man one. Yes, well, that's also like kind of important that we're probably going to talk a bit more about as we yeah. see what goes yeah, on here. especially next episode where, yeah, you definitely get some <clears throat> vibes from the bad guy again. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learned that he went on, he, he was in the military for a little bit, and then he went to work for Poseidon Industrial Corp, which is a household name Megacorp now. It used to have a different name. Uh, they say what it is and it comes up later. We'll just continue to refer to it as Poseidon. It's it's always Poseidon. It was like yeah. Japanese tech, like Japanese Radio Shack is the old yeah. name. It was something super uh, generic. Yeah. Um, we get a quick scene of Aramaki contacting his military buddy whose name I never remember. Uh, they'll be back. Back at the stakeout, Togusa is like... Looking in on the restaurant and people really enjoying their delicious looking meals here and says, man, that dish looks really, really yummy. Bato's like, oh yeah, what is it? And Togus is like, it's eel, dude. What do you think I am? Some kind of plebeian? And Bato's like, gotcha, bitch. It's actually gluten and mushrooms made to look and taste like eel. Which is just the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, this restaurant like specializes in like vegan lookalike food or something like that. So yeah, they were kind of being coy with it with like Taiwanese vegetarian, but it is sushi cooking, which is like a Buddhist form of specifically Buddhist monk dish, where the goal is to make a dish that is as close to meat as possible in look, texture, everything like that, while still being entirely like plant based. Um, cause how else are you going to escape the cycle of samsara? And they go on an extremely extended tangent on how that, uh, about how it's basically exactly the same as the sandwich that Togusa accidentally ate And I'm earlier. like, no, that sandwich looks disgusting. <laughs> that right? faux eel looks <laughs> that amazing. That faux eel looks juicy and, you know, not five days old. I mean, that's the difference between spending $100 at a three-star restaurant versus spending, you know, buck fifty out of a vending machine, so... True. Absolutely. There's a big difference. I, I do think it's very funny how this season, like, is being very, very explicit to cite its sources on, like, these are the parallels that we're drawing from this thing. Like, sushi <laughs> cooking, the May 15th incident in our last episode, like, it's very, very explicit with the parallels that it draws... Um, at this point, Togusa wonders why the priests went to so much trouble. Like, it's, you can't eat, you're not allowed to eat meat. And if you were born a monk, like, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know the taste anyway. 
And Bato's like, yeah, but it's not like you could forget the taste of it, no matter how much you meditate. Well, he says, like, you know, the monks were, you know, they they didn't... They were lay people beforehand. Yes, they didn't. They often joined, you know, the Buddhism afterwards. So, you know, they ate meat and then became monks. Yeah, and Togusa also mentions, like, you know, it's... Eating is kind of like accessing your memories of the past, basically, because, you know, you can... Tastes and smells can pull up very specific memories for you and things like that. You could eat the fake eel and remember real eel you have eaten before. Yep. Wonder if this will come up or not. Hmm. Um, so Togusa asks Bato, you know, like, why do you know so much about sushi cooking? And Bato says, well, dude, it's exactly the same as cyborgs. Anyway, I'm going to go for a smoke. And he leaves the van. <laughs> um, we cut to the office building. It, 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 we cut to the... Uh, CIS's office building where Gota is in his closet office watching a news debate about the refugee crisis. A dude with glasses is basically like, it starts off as like a little back and forth about refugee policy and this guy's clearly not a fan of him. But then he starts citing extremely specific details about the refugee case. Like first he starts off with like you know how much they cost us in taxes. And if the government keeps supporting the refugees, they're going to stay poor and defend it and dependent on welfare while society acts out against them. Good and job, if Neil they, Khan. And if they get desperate enough, the refugees are totally going to start doing suicide bombings. You should, they're going to do suicide bombing. Refugees, if you're hearing me, you shouldn't do suicide, but, but maybe you should do some suicide <laughs> bombings. He's just uh, kind of rambling, and it's... The only yeah. thing that's weird about this is he starts bringing up information that the police know that, yeah. like, isn't out it, to the public yet. It's it's first a very, like, kind of specific little thing, but it gets very obvious well, very quickly. We were told uh, a couple of episodes ago where they brought up the logo that this can't be copycats because the logo hasn't been shown to, to, the, end, public. to the public. Like, nobody should know about this other than the people who are doing it. Yep. And this guy knows about the logo. Yep. So, back outside the Marky's hot dog truck, Bato <laughs> spots two suspicious guys in a delivery van and asks Tachikoma to run the plates. Cut back inside of Marky's hot dog van, and Togusa is watching the newscast, re- like, kind of notices that the guy's nameplate has part of the individual 11 symbol right at the start of it. And it is at this point that he pulls out the card saying, and how about this symbol that was found at all 11 of the crime scenes of all of these things, which is like, uh, oh shit. Bato comes back and throws him some rice balls from, I guess, the local 7-Eleven nearby. And, like, as kind of a nice gesture to the guy who still has a tongue and a stomach. But Togusa is freaking out that this ba- that Glasses guy is basically just connecting all the dots on these incidents that Section 9 and CIS have been keeping quiet live on air to millions of viewers it's this seems really funny because like Togusa's like enraptured by what's happening on tv when like bato just casually comes in and drops the rice balls and then like cracks open a beer and Togusa's like should you be drinking that right now he's like dude they were just sitting in a van he's like no no no, watch the tv dude dude there's shit (laughs) happening (laughs) um and we cut back to Gota, who mentions I, that they hadn't considered this method of infection before, hmm. as the lackey that he calls in says, well, we couldn't tarnish the good name of the police, 
So we figured something like this would work very well. Hmm. Hmm. Definitely a bad guy. Definitely a bad guy. (laughs) The lackey also mentions that they're feeding false info to section one, and we finally learn that Kirk's real name is Kuze. So, like, he kind of follows up on a bunch of bullet points of all the information manipulation they're doing. Yeah, again, Kuze is the guy who tried to assassinate the prime minister, the dude with the silver hair. Yep. So, Gota is very interested in Kuze as a carrier. Hmm. Mm. So, back at a ramen restaurant... The chief is meeting with his war buddy who tells him that, like, basically no one really knew or or cared about Gota at the time that he was in the military. It's it's weird that you'd be asking about him, but it's fine. Um, we also he was also following up on show in this meeting as well. We get a shot of Chief not eating his very delicious-looking ramen. There, there's some really good shots of food in this episode. Yeah, they drew this tonkatsu ramen very lovingly, and I'm really sad that the chief didn't eat it because it looked really nice. Yep. And then his buddy goes, it still tastes the same as it always did. And Aramaki goes, it still tastes the same as it always did. Because we're doing <laughs> a lot of food metaphors in this. Um, we, His buddy then mentions that it's also, it's weird that he's asked him about show because section one also came to him about them. And he says that section one believes that he's actually Wang Chu Ren, who is a famous Taiwanese assassin. And their info was that he has swapped faces with Sho and is in hiding, pretending to be him, just basically laying, lying undercover so he can do, you know, assassination stuff yeah. sometime in the future. Section 1 was fed bad information. And basically, now they're going to go kill this, this guy. Thing, this guy is suddenly an international super assassin that they've been tailing all day. Instead of a person of interest that was involved in the individual weapon bombings. This makes Aramaki realize they're being super set up. He sends it down to the major and so on until Bato gets to it. And they are immediately like, wow, that's incredibly fucking suspicious that section one would be on this guy. They realize that he's been, they, they finally suddenly hear that he's been spotted in an alley and they're just like, oh shit, run out after him. Uh, they are, Basically running into it, he's throwing out the trash in the alley, talking about how uh, he being show here. I'm sorry, there's a lot of guys in this scene. Um, (laughs) Show is in the alleyway, throwing out some garbage, saying like Japan is a country too not rich enough to support its refugees. But very specifically, he's lifting up the garbage and looking at just how much food, how many eels have been thrown away, has been thrown out, and he's talking about how you know apparently this country is like you know too poor, Jake refugees but you know too regionalized it's you know basically all bullshit they took them out they, they've taken all these people in and now they don't know what to do with them yeah um, he's it's just, too nice for it's too nice for the refugees to join society but also yeah. it's not nice enough for them to care for the refugee they don't have enough yep. leftovers to care for the as he's looking at this Wasted pile food. of food that's rotting yeah yep. yeah um, the two guys from the van from, or in suspicious van from earlier, uh, basically walk in on the other side of the alleyway, uh, go like Wong Chu Ren, point a gun at him and they start taking shots at him as Bato, Togusa and Itachi Koma bust in. The, the Itachi Koma comes up first, it's like put down your guns, but they... They yeah, they fire anyway. some shots off, and Tachi Ko- the alleyway is too narrow for the Tachikoma to get in. Uh, Bato runs in and yells, look, section one, we're on the same side, uh, but it's too late. The guy has been shot in the head. 
and they start comparing notes and it's like, oh shit, we got extremely, extremely made here. Yeah, section one got lied to and they killed a person of interest for section nine. I wonder if we set that up. Probably could be anyone. Um, so it turns out, and they look down at him, it's like, yeah, his face hasn't been swapped. He was just this guy. Their info was completely bunk. And we get a bit of a scene as they just sit there having lost yet again. Yeah, the section one guys also just kind of have a, oh shit, we fucked up look on their <laughs> yeah. face the entire time. <laughs> oh, we assassinated a Japanese citizen, actually. Yeah, they also talk about how their intel was solid. So, like, this isn't like yeah. some sketchy tip they got. They really thought this intel was, was like, real. unassailable. The intel was from the CIS, and that's why yes. Chief oh, was weird. confused earlier when he was talking to Kubota about it. Because Kubota's like, well, didn't they talk to you? I thought that was the whole purpose, was to give you guys information. And that's why the chief was really up in yep. arms over it. All right. And that's episode eight. Episode Section nine, can't nine. catch a break. No. no. So episode nine, uh, a very normal chat in a very long room. So we open up on the shot, I think, of the office building. The CIS building. Yes, the CIS building. Instead, we see, like, a big room. It's not uh, the CIS building. This is the Poseidon It's a different Industries. one. It's Poseidon building. Yes. Right, yes. Yeah. And so there's a dude in the room next to it reading a titty magazine. He's <laughs> <laughs> got nothing else to do. It's true. He's just sitting there having, you know, having time. And we have a lot of AI robot ladies, different ones from the Section 9 ladies. But suddenly there's an alert. There's an intruder that spread a virus. We get the reference as their, like, fingers open up to do the hacking of the Got keyboard. a speed type. Um, it's super techno babble, this guy, by the way. He's just, yeah, like... Yeah. We, we don't need to like. We don't need to like go through any of that. They're fighting the virus, but it's too strong. They're, they lose. They're hella breached, so they're like, we're gonna get back up from the Poseidon. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was. We're like, ah, we need we need backup. Like, that's a familiar name. Um, we get the title card, and then now we're like camera panning down on just some like random city street. There's just some people walking about. And suddenly the second floor of a building just explodes and debris and bodies just fall everywhere on the street below. Everyone's panicking. Uh, Section 9 roll up in the car. Bath was like, ah, we're too late. Um, We go inside and inside this building, it's just, it's completely blasted. There's nothing left. This was a pretty powerful explosive. Yeah, the entire second story of this building is vaporized. There's nothing left. It's gone. They find nails stuck in the wall, and they're like, "Yeah, this is this is the ammo. This is yet another suicide bomber." So we know that this is with plastic explosives with nails and shrapnel stuck yes. in. So this is this has happened uh, a bunch of times before. Uh, Togus is outside with Ishikawa, and he's like, "Hey, what's the deal with these guys? You know, they give a warning, and then they just bomb places randomly." What's the deal with the IRA? <laughs> And Shikawa's like, I think it's to produce maximum fear. Their MO is just like the individual 11. They're, they're definitely the nasty type that finds meaning in these types of horrible actions. Um, they also agree that based on the warning they received, there's going to be one more bombing. And they lament that they, you know, they have a complete lack of manpower and, and trying to hunt down these suicide bombers is just not working like out. A needle for them. in a haystack here. Uh, and Bato watches an ambulance full of people leave, and he starts to leave. Uh, he calls the chief, and he asks if there are, is, are there any hints as to, like, the times or the places in the warning. And the chief's like, all we have in the email sent to the cops is that there will be five bombings inside uh, the Nihama area. 
And if it follows the pattern from the previous bombings, and I'm going to get this name wrong, uh, Fukuoka. Fukuoka? Okay, thank you. Uh, the previous week, the final blast will happen in this area. Um, he tells Bato, you know, hand over the bombing scene to the local cops, do whatever it takes to stop the next bombing. Bato's uh, kind th- of upset here because he's being told to stop these bombings, but he has, like, nothing to work with. No. Yeah. And Rack is like, I got Needle nothing, I got nothing for you. I got nothing for you. Just go, just do it. <laughs> and he gets very cheeky in his response back, but uh, he then asks, where's the major? You know, because uh, Bato Tokusa, uh, Ishikawa, Ishikawa, Borma, and, and Paz are all yeah. out there, and the major isn't here. Um, so the chief says she's conducting a top secret dive investigation. Ooh. Very fancy. She's going um, scuba diving. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, so Bato calls Togusa over from the cops. They get in the car. Uh, they get stuck in some traffic and they talk a bit more about the suicide bombings. Uh, Togusa, once again, is like, you know, what's up with this human bomb crap? Uh, we're not an anarchist state under foreign rule and... Bato's like, well, this country isn't so peaceful that you can speak freely anymore. And yeah. to- Togusa, I don't know, he's kind of insensitive here because, like, he Extremely. feels like yeah, I can't like, understand why anyone would ever do something like this. Yeah, he feels that like suicide bombing is this thing that happens to other countries, not Japan. But it's yes. like this, the condition of the people living in your country has led them to suicide bombing. Like, you need to like reevaluate your viewpoint here because yeah, like people just don't suicide bomb he- randomly. He is kind of in denial about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah he, he eventually admits yeah, the refugee issue is kind of a bit of a powder keg waiting to explode and that, you know, maybe they're resorting to suicide bombings because the government is extremely unstable and weak and nobody knows what's going to happen to the refugees. Like, I mean, the individual 11 are going around bombing anything to do with refugees. Yep. So uh, Bath was like, oh, fuck, I missed that. It could, refugees. Be the, it could be the refugees. Shit. So he just yanks the car around and drives off really fast. Yeah, so on a first watch, this is kind of weird. Bato just, uh, I guess the Bato in the rest of Section 9 assumes that these uh, terrorist acts, the bombings and whatnot are happening because people hate the refugees and they want them to be go, go away or whatever, but they never consider that the refugees are doing them themselves. Themselves, Which seems yeah. like a huge oversight for, you know, a police organization to think about, but... You would but, think... You know, yeah. Bato just has the cop hat today. Like, he, he does all the cop stuff in this episode. <laughs> Bato cops pretty hard in this episode. Togusa has forgotten he's a cop because <laughs> Bato has the cop hat. You know, normally Togusa or the Major has that, but today it's Bato's turn with the hat. Um, so, you know, he calls Aramaki, tells him to, like, dig up info on the suspects um, from, like, the previous bombings and the ones that have happened, you know, like, the last couple of days. Armaki's like, oh, well, you know, we never identified the bodies, right? They they all got blown up pretty effectively. We just know they were, like, really prosthetic. And Bato's like, no, 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 no. Look at the camera footage from before the bombings when they were still alive and you'll be able to identify them. And again, once again, Bato has worn the ca- the cop hat. And the chief also lost his cop hat, apparently, at I some point. I feel this would be, like, their go-to. Like, if someone blew themselves you up in, like, you know, a restaurant or whatever, you would watch the TV, CCTV, for the past hour to see who went inside. You know, that's, like, yeah. one-on-one stuff. Yep. I, I don't know. It feels like lazy writing here sometimes. Like I, I feel like Bato definitely stole the cop hat, like, a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> He gives I mean, it back to Togusa next he episode. He didn't put it on. He just stuffed it in a locker somewhere <laughs> so no one could remember that they're right, cops. Right. 
Uh, so the chief's like, okay, I'll get you. I'll get you all those records, or at least I'll try to. Um, Batalin explains to Togusa that suicide bombings, these type, aren't like large scale affairs. There's not like a commander out there telling specific people to go to specific places. Um, these are just people who have lost all hope. They have no reason to keep on living, and they're resorting to acts of desperation, kind of just like the guy talked about the reporter on in the, the TV previous yesterday. Episode. Mm. Um, so now I cut to the major, uh, going scuba diving. Oh, no, she's, <laughs> she's getting out of her car in the street. She's walking towards, uh, the Poseidon building, uh, from the opening scene. Uh, she's on the phone with the chief. She's like, hey, you know, how's it going? And she's like, well, the, the agent Tachikomas, they're working out. I don't have to worry about range-related signal loss anymore. So They're basically roving hotspots. Yeah. Yeah, she downloaded, like, virtualizations of their, like, entire, like, egos into her brain. And, like, they're helping her do stuff now. Man. Yeah, and they're, like, walking around in her, like, screen and stuff. They're very cool. Um, she says, you know, we're not going to win, but we won't lose either. Uh, it'll come up later. Uh, Armaki's like... Don't, don't be flashing. She's like, oh, you know, I'll try. I'll play. I know, Dad. I'll exercise <laughs> I'll self-restraint. Self- yeah. I'll, I'll try not to do any hot flips <laughs> on camera. She will do at least one or two hot flips. In she the does future. one hot flip, yes. Well, that, that, she normally does the clock. It's true. So that is this is abs- restraint. That is self-restraint. Um, so she walks into the building. She asks to touch Kama if her mask is working. Mimi's like, yeah, I plan to do the short shoot. Let's activate the mask. Yeah, you'll, you'll break into this building. No I problem. I locked the door. Yeah, uh, it should be noted when she's walking into the building, like, it, it shows her hacking the doors and everything. And these, like, yes. this door is locked shut, but, like, she just kind of opens it magically. And the robot inside just assumes she's supposed to be there since the door opened. Yep. It's very yep. good social engineering. Yep. Always pretend um, like you're supposed to be there. Exactly. Yeah, we get more shots of the building's AI ladies fighting off this virus that the major like obviously set off earlier so that she could break in. Um, she then breaks into the room with the magazine guy and just physically jacks into his cyber brain, just like slams the cable in there. Uh, and it assesses that, you know, if you let AIs handle everything, then even the mice will outsmart you. Yeah, he she was also so does a cool action slide under yeah. his desk. He was Very so concerned important. about trying to tell the AI ladies how to hack properly that he didn't even notice someone coming behind him. Yep. Uh, so back with Armaki, he and their AI ladies have identified the uh, suspected bombers. Uh, Borma has determined that C4 was used in each case, but they, they don't have enough info on like where they got it or who manufactured it. Um, Ishikawa has found that the first two buildings for assembly halls were individualists of meat. And the other two were owned by groups who were making money under the, the guise of the refugee action policy. It's basically making money off of refugees and scamming refugees. So Basically but, sucking that sweet government teat for the money and yeah. not actually helping refugees. Yes, so Bato could be right about it being the refugees blowing themselves up. This is um, also interesting. This is the first uh, scene we see of Boma actually doing his job because he's the explosives expert on the uh, Section 9. There you go. Yeah. People doing their jobs all over the place. Uh, the chief is like, okay, tell the cops to set up patrols to places, like, similar to this, so, you know, places that might get bombed, uh, and tell the police to question anyone who's around 20 years old who appears to be a refugee, and exercise extreme caution around, like, highly cyberized people, because, uh, basically people are, like, planting bombs in their prosthetics. Um... Get that sweet stop and frisk policy out. <laughs> yup. Yeah. 20-year-old refugees. 
Um, so Togas of Basso, Saito and Paz are on an overpass. Um, they start speculating that this is backlash against uh, the individual 11 and that, yeah, the refugee powder keg has clearly been lit if, you know, they're suicide bombing all over the place. Um, they start discussing the interval between the bombings. It starts out small and then gets bigger and bigger, concluding that the longest gap is between the fourth and fifth bombings. Because suicide bombings tend to occur in order of the bomber's willingness to die. Which is more or less random, but, you know, with the pattern of some people will go real quick, but other people will... Think about it. <laughs> yeah. Need a moment. Uh, Togas is like, hey, you know an awful lot about this, Bato. <laughs> Bato just ignores him. I don't know Bato's if this ever... in full cop mode at this point. Yeah, I don't know if this ever comes up, like... Bato was involved in the World War Three, so he was in like the South American jungle and probably saw some shit. But like, I don't know if that's specifically what this supposed mm-hmm. to be referring to. Well, I mean, don't forget he specifically saw like the cruelty squads, right? Yeah. Like the people who went out to just make people as miserable as possible. Yeah, and, to like, do a terrorism. Yeah, extremely like actual government-led terrorism. Yeah, so like he probably knows a thing or two about what happens when people are at their lowest. It's believable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Togusa once again is like, well, why why do they issue a warning beforehand? If their objective is to spread fear, wouldn't it be more effective to just start bombing completely without warning? Um, and without telling people where they're going to bomb, or at least the general area they're going to bomb. And Bato suggests that maybe it's because they want to tell someone so that somebody knows uh, what their last act on this earth was. There's yeah. a lot of, like, kind of terrorist mind state stuff stuffed in here as well yeah there's no like the whole point of blowing yourself up doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless people know why you're blowing yourself up yes yeah so so we're back with the major uh she's still hacking um she's like yeah Goda and poseidon they're clearly connected to a very large extent kind of wonders if it's a trap but yeah she's gonna dive in anyway we need info and it, it's incredibly difficult to, to describe this hacking scene um, she's in cyberspace. She it's is, pretty cool. It's very cool. She's in cyberspace. They have like a song going on with like lyrics and stuff, and the, the tachikomas materialize. They do cool poses. <laughs> they do to, like ninjutsu hand gestures that bring up their hacking interfaces. Like, Hell yeah! yeah. And then, like sigils. And then they use like lasers <laughs> and electric beams to like hack through the barriers. It's it's really cool. You kind of have to watch it though. Um, but eventually they, they break in and the major's just like, okay, babies, uh, you're on lookout. Tell me if you're about to get caught. Um, we get a brief scene of, of Goda stopping dead. The real Goda, like, he's walking with some goons and he just, he stops. And his goons are like, hey, is something going on? He's like, no, nothing. And he just, just keeps walking. Um, it's and important just, to note here that before the scene of Goda stopping and kind of looking around, she finds like, I don't know, like a cyber bubble or whatever that says Goda on it. And she yes. dives ah, into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so dives into point. it. Yeah. yeah, so she's hacking into, into Goda. Um, so the major materializes in a cyber version of Goda's creepy security room. The closet. The closet, except it's really long now. And uh, she's wearing her pink hair disguise from, like, season one. Um, and her, Goda, her anime avatar. Yeah, her yes. anime avatar, yes. Her chat Sona. And Goda is sitting in his stool chair, and he turns around to face her across the room. Um, and, I, and we'll talk about, like, what they actually talk about in this scene, but, like, I want to talk about how... This scene is very long, but, like, the way it's shot is, like, pretty interesting, and they do a bunch of different shots, but... Like, 
so, you know, the major is hacking into Goda's brain and she's, you know, starting to interrogate him. And, you know, you think she's, like, kind of in charge and she's standing, he's sitting, she's hacking and he's just a ghost. But, like, the way a lot of it's framed and shot with the big distance between us, this is a very long room, there is a huge distance between the two of them. And sometimes Goda is shot, like like, looking down at her, so, like, you can kind of tell that the Major is maybe not as completely in charge as she maybe should be, like, considering she's hacking into him. Yeah, there's also some nice outside shots. Like, it shows the room, but it shows the room floating in a bubble in cyberspace. Yeah. And I think it should be noted, this is not Goda's actual cyber brain. This is something on a Poseidon server. Yes. So this is, like, like just like a fragment of him that she's like interrogating. Yeah, she's like a virtual he's using a virtual personality to to run all this stuff kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's who she's talking to. That's the aside the the philosophical issues of making a copy of your entire ego and then trapping it in a computer to do work for you while you walk around in the real world is kind of weird. <laughs> he's it's, into it though. It sounds exactly like him. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yes, but like I'm just going to copy my personality so I can make it do my work for me so I can go fuck off while it works for 40 hours a week. I mean, that's, that's just smart. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, getting to what they actually talk about, uh, she starts interrogating him. He's like, Who are you? And he's like, I'm Goda. Um, I was involved in the engineering project that created the uh, radioactive fallout scrubbers, the Japanese miracle. Um, he wasn't an engineer. He actually specializes in linguistics. He was a middle manager. Yeah, he, yes. he, was, he says he was a producer. He's a pencil pusher. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he's like, Japan rose to prominence because of the, the scrubbers I acted as a producer for. And, you know, he thought he would rise in the ranks because of this achievement. But he, he didn't. He kept being a middle manager. Um, and so the manager's like, okay, what do you mean? Did Saiten not place any value in a paper pusher? She is extremely mocking him yeah. the entire time, which is very funny. It should also be noted that Goda isn't actually himself. Like, he's just no. kind of answering questions here and not being the real person he is, like, yes. presumably because he's this a is only a fragment. basically. Yeah. Um, he's like, nope, not that simple. Uh, long ago, I noticed that our social system suffers from an inherent flaw. Uh, the degradation of information and individuality. Uh, he then calls it the acts of creation by the name of consumption. He uses an awful lot of big words. Right <laughs> he here. wrote his thesis. He wants to bring it up. He's proud yeah. of it. <laughs> this is his thesis spot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, the major mocks us some more, saying this is a clear conclusion uh, made by someone terminally online. Uh He's, he's like, okay, you're referring to a standalone complex. She's like, I love being alone, actually. Dylan's great. I love standing alone, complexly. <laughs> it's good shit. I love it. Um, he goes on to say that he wasn't given the kudos he deserved because of his own mental disposition. Um, he's just like, your inferiority complex? He's like, nah, much deeper problem with my own existence. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> He says that society prizes certain personalities and characteristics that, you know, lusted after, but clearly wasn't. I mean, we saw the photo of him earlier. Charisma was not something he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so the major's like, well, are you satisfied with who you're at now? And he's like, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is sweet. I love it, actually. Um, and then talk a bit about uh, ghosts. Um, assuming the appearance of the physical body. Like, you know, a ghost exists because of the physical body, but the ghost also 
like changes with the physical body to look like it. Uh, they talk a bit about Patrick Sylvester. Goda once uh, idolized him and hoped to emulate his charisma. It's been his burning obsession for as long as he can remember. And his bland appearance stood in the way, but it turns out fate was on his side. <laughs> he had an accident that nearly killed him and it changed his body and his ghost. Yeah, so he had like a traumatic experience in his accident and then kind of just adapted the fact that he's two-faced now. Yup, basically. It's yeah. like, found my mission. Gonna rebuild the state. <laughs> like, even the major calls him, uh, he says he has delusions of grandeur at this point. <laughs> I mean, he said basically, I got hit by a car and now I'm going to rebuild society. It's like, yeah, yeah it's a little crazy, dude. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> the major is just having none of this shit. It's very funny. Um, so he wants to return to a, a Shangri-La way of life built on the backs of outsiders. He says that there was a period of history where Japan was like this and people are yearning for that unconsciously and well, I'm just giving the people what they want. Wouldn't it be cool if slavery was back? Let's do that again. <laughs> Let's do that slavery, again. but it's good. That's, a, that's what the refugees are for. Um, so Matoka's like, are you making yourself out to be a hero? I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not the hero. I'm the producer of that hero. So yes, very, he very much sees himself as a kingmaker. Mm-hmm. He isn't going to be the one that people look at. He's going to be the man behind that. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm going to create an activist who will fulfill the desire of this people. And when the major asks, who, this, who is this hero? Is it the individual 11? She gets cut off because we're back in the real world. And a, a baby has noticed that Goda has walked into the building and he is about to discover the break-in. Yeah, they pull out, like they find one of the guys who's been cyber hacked and like pull the cord out of his head. And uh, he's like, oh, it took them longer than I expected for them to, to hack in. So he is once again, one step ahead of them. Yeah, Goda knows times. this was gonna happen. Um, which is another reason why I think, like, you know, the, a lot of the framing of the interrogation, because, like, you, you know that Goda either, like, like, he either doesn't care that they're getting this information, or he actively wants them to have it. Yes. I'm not quite sure which, but, like... I mean, the information is shaped by Goda, right? Because yes. it's, like, Goda's copy. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, like, congratulations. You have the filter of the guy you're trying to bring down. Like, great, I'm sure he'll give you exactly what you need yep. with no problems. Here's a yeah. gun with which to shoot me. Yeah, it's also... the Major thinks this is never going to be a win, but they're, th- they're hoping they can get something out of, like, Goda's bot here. But Goda is, like, three steps ahead of them. It's like, yeah, they're not going to get anything... That he cares about them having, you know? Yeah, exactly. The Major knows that, like, even if she gets something out of it, this is Goda's brain, and, like, so everything he says is going to have to be taken with some grain of salt to it. And a slight Dutch angle. (laughs) (laughs) There is a shot at an angle. Yeah, there's a few of them in this scene. One of them in particular is, like, behind Goda's head. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, back with the Major, the baby appears, she's like, oh, we've, we've been spotted. You gotta get, you gotta out. And she's like, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Goda, are you trying to set up the refugees as an enemy of the state? She just, she's trying to get as much info as possible. Um, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, ends justify the means, which is something... Uh, as soon as you say that... It's something only no good people villain say. has ever said. <laughs> no villain has ever said the ends justify the means. No. No, no. Uh, and that bending the law is necessary in order to achieve his goal. Um, you know, she then asks if, like... You know, do do the people really want to get rid of these refugees? And Goda kind of just kind of evades that one. And it's like, humility is one of our great virtues. Kind of 
doesn't answer that one. Um, They're thinking it, yeah. is basically what he's saying. Yes. I mean, he kind um, of already said the quiet part aloud by saying that like yeah. he wants to build on the backs of refugees. So, <laughs> yeah. So, K- Kubo, is this the most the end justifies the means guy we've seen? Because I feel like Machiavelli and Garfield still might have it. <laughs> Machiavelli and Garfield <laughs> Overstein, people, and no one gets nuked in this series. Yeah, so. I feel like Overstein still has the most the ends justify the means, but like that's partially because the scale of mm-hmm. Legend of the Galactic Heroes, right? Asia tried to blow up the Earth or like nanomachine the Earth, so... Right, Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah, Master Asia's pretty, pretty fucking buck wild sure. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still don't know what Koda of... is up to yet. Like, I mean, one day we'll big... find out what Hero Yui was trying to do. <laughs> no <one knows> <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> nobody it knows is. or cares. To, mental cut to Hero Yui falling out of a building and rolling down a cliffside <laughs> for twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question about Goda, we'll figure out what he's doing in maybe another ten episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do like that, you know, despite the fact that he's talked a lot about, I, I guess, his kind of motivation, we still don't actually know what his end goal is. No, nope. yeah, he wants to rebuild society. Like, he wants to change the government. That's his yes, suppose, that, but we don't, that, we don't really have a picture of it. We don't it. really have, like, like where he's going with that. What, what do you want to rebuild it into, buddy? Yeah, we don't know how he's going to do it, what he's doing it into, if anybody above him, like the uh, prime minister or anybody, knows about it yet. He's just kind of still working behind we the scenes. We only know that he said having slaves is cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, you know... <laughs> Pretty big point against him. Yeah. <laughs> he got his one in the, one one the other column. <laughs> hey, this guy tricked some people into massacring a bunch of innocent refugees, and you know, he says slaves are all right, and he's tricked a bunch of people into getting murdered. They murdered an innocent man on the back of fake information. He's really into Japanese militarism. Guy, it's, it's strange. I think, <laughs> I think this guy's a real jerk. Hey everybody, I'm starting to think this guy this go to guy is a real jerk. Mm-hmm. Real stinker, this guy. I mean, I already upgraded him. <laughs> Don't know if he can yeah, get more. Put a real jerk on the end guy. of it. De- definitely <laughs> a bad, a bad guy. guy, comma a jerk. So the baby's like getting antsy and he's like, "Major, major, hurry! You're going to get caught!" And so she's like, "No, no, one last question. One more. What thing. about section nine? Goda's like, "What about section nine? You'll in case you line. don't know who I am with my identical voice to the major <laughs> and my very close shape to the major. I, I think it's that uh, she figured out that she like, yeah, go to nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's like, you'll straddle the line between the will of the people and your own sense of justice all the while gnashing your teeth. So he's like, doesn't give a shit. And uh, so, like, the baby's like, no, no, Major, you, you have to get out now. And she's like, damn, out of time, and uh, and leaves. And she does her one government-issued sick flip to get up into the vents. Oh, uh, she does that after the... Ah, right. Um, she just, like, fades out. Uh, we're now uh, with Basra and Togusa pulling up in a car, running into a subway. Uh, she tells them that cops tried to question this young lady, but she ran into the subway threatening to blow herself up. They also run past a large number of civilians looking extremely heroic in the process. <laughs> hmm. So they run in the subway, they split up to find her, and Togusa actually finds her first, surrounded by like riot cops with shields, and she looks like, scared I'm, out of her mind. I want to say this is the same girl that earlier when... Um, uh, 
Goda was like riding in the back of the uh, the van with him and like pointed out to the one guy like, oh yeah, I saw a little girl about that size, you know, that the other week. I don't shot at a cop, tried to shoot him in the head, and I think it might actually be this. That I, I don't girl. think it's the same one, but the shot is very reminiscent of the early uh, opening scenes in Jinro, which was also okay. produced by um, what was that guy? The guy who did Pat Labor in the Ghost in the Shell movie. Yeah. So uh. I think this may be kind of a reference to that. Hmm. Okay, so he, he comes up with his gun, and he's like, put your hands on your head, but then he, like, you know, when she does that, she, he puts his gun down, he's like, hey, nobody's gonna hurt you, you know, it's it's fine, you're fine, don't blow yourself up, it's all fine, and the cops start to approach her, and then she's looking worried, but then her expression changes, and she starts to grit her teeth, and at that moment, Basser runs up, he's like, Toga's like, get out of the way, and then he shoots the girl twice in the head. He uh, misses the first shot, and the second yes, shot hits her cheek. Yes. Yeah. But it's uh, very gruesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, why the fuck did you do that? And Bob's like, you dumbass. He like goes up and like roots around in her face and pulls up a, a detonator disguised as a tooth. It's um, funny, like he reaches into her jaw and just yanks out a tooth, but this tooth has the longest lead wires on it. Like it's like four feet of lead wires. Like I don't know. I think understand. it was like in her stomach, basically. Yeah. Yeah, he says there's, you know, a uh, uh, bomb in her stomach, keep her isolated in the ambulance as you take her out of here. Uh, and then leaves. And this is when we're back mm. with the major, and she sick flips up into the vents. Uh, Just one. Right before the uh, men in blacks burst into the room, uh, Goda walks in completely unfazed. Doesn't doesn't give a shit. Just calmly walks in. He's like, "Hey, you got oh, sees the like box at the bottom. He's like, you guys should check for viruses. And you know, once once everything's rebooted, move all our work to Poseidon. They're not going to break in here again. It's, it's fine." Um, we're now with Aramaki, and he's like, well, we succeeded in stopping that last, uh, suicide bomber. Hooray for us. One out of five isn't bad. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, oh, just barely. And, like, this is a clear declaration of war. This is, this is not going to end well. Uh, Major agrees, says that the Individual Eleven was, was created by Goda with the, ob- the objective of starting a refugee uprising. Uh, we have zero wins so far, and Goda has succeeded in creating his cycle of hatred. Now everyone grimaces, and that's how the episode ends. Yeah, a lot of downer episodes here. Mm-hmm. So. You gotta establish the threat, you know? And I think it yeah. actually does a pretty good job. Goda is such a shithead, I love him. <laughs> Absolutely. They, yeah, they, they really take Goda from, like, just a guy who's, like, maybe a bit of a sneak in the government to, like, oh, this guy wants to start a war. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the next, I uh, looked ahead. Not, the next... not even a war. He wants to start a war specifically that he knows is going to be a slaughter. Like, yes. ah, very cool. Neat. <laughs> He wants the Machiavellian as Garfield his uh, way through the refugee situation by mainly getting them all killed. So that's a you know a resolution to that conflict, I guess. That's yeah. that's the plan. Yep. Yeah. Um, I look through the next couple episodes. There's uh, two kind of like not story related ones, which is kind of nice. They're a nice change of pace. Both of them are pretty good. And then uh, the third episode in this uh, that set is straight into Plot Town. Oh, so. I'm so sorry, Serene. Hell yeah. yeah. Love it. This one, this one, I tried to cut that down. There was a lot that happened in this episode. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of cutting in episode 12, so. Woo! <laughs> yeah, this, this series is really dense because not only are they, like, doing a lot, like, each scene has a lot of things that I just want to 
comment on when I'm making notes. Yeah, it's it's hard to yeah. try to find the right line between what to cover for the purpose of plot narrative and what to talk about because there's you could just talk like a lot of a lot of the stuff like this. For example, the scene in the subway where the girl was terrified, like. It shows like the kind of difference between Togusa and Bato's way of thinking, because Togusa yeah. being the cop, the family man, the person with a daughter, goes in and immediately tries to console and try Sees to get this the woman girl. To stop. Yeah, like yeah. you couldn't hurt a fly. Bato being the military man with basically no conscience goes and shoots her immediately in the face. So, yeah. and Bato was right. <laughs> it's it's kind of the I don't know the contrast between the way they look, but we can't like talk about all the stuff because then this podcast would be like four hours long. So yeah, we're already running like one twenty per yeah. episode here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we only went for three episodes. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't understand how we did Legend of the Galactic Heroes at five a fucking series. <laughs> oh, Dude, man. I, yeah, that was wild. We were, like, blitzing through that shit. We were just really... Like, I think that one is actually effective if you want to, like, enjoy Legend of the Galactic Heroes in less time than Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> like, notably less time, I might add. Yeah. Like, it's... Wow, we went ham. <laughs> well, till next time, uh, where we'll be doing episodes uh, uh, 10, 11, and 12. Yep. Uh, yeah. Space anime. Cyber anime.